0: to Abreu, is launched to left field, that one's gone, no doubt about it, Jose Abreu with a three-run blast in the first, Chandler Stephenson brings it across, out back door,
1: score, the first shot on net, ends
0: up behind
1: Grubauer, tic-tac-toe, the BGK, strike first, Garcia,
0: gets up on top of that ball,
1: Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carius Show.
2: Here we go. Saul 26 for Wednesday, October the 11th. Um, good morning to everyone. Uh, thanks for tuning in on uh, Sports 1440. Kevin Carey, along with uh, the Duke of Delburn, who put in some kind of shift yesterday. Duke, have you got anything left in the tank after uh, Sports 1440 had to go to the bullpen yesterday for, for an ailing Connor Halley? Man, what a shift.
0: I always got uh, (laughs) some more left in the tank, Kev, uh, especially when it comes to... I mean, hey, hockey season's here. Kicked off last night with three pretty exciting games and uh, uh, even more on deck tonight with the Oilers getting going. So I've always got more in the tank when it comes to hockey season. So
2: uh, I think was it the King of Fort Nasty sent in a text yesterday just marveling at your... um well, your time management skills and everything. Well, what's he going to say today? He's going to be just flattered. He's going to be just—he's going to be dumbfounded with uh, the amount that uh, you put in for sure. Uh, yesterday, I know Greg's was quite uh, tickled with you for, for getting everything for sure. Uh, text line one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. As mentioned, yes, hockey season is here, and the Oilers open things up tonight. In Vancouver. Now, sometimes when you think of, you go back all the stats from 1979, it's kind of hard to believe that this is just the 11th time in team history that the Oilers are opening up on the road. That It just seems, you know, that there would be a lot more uh, road games than just 10 so far. This is their 11th tonight. 3-6-1, and one, the Oilers are all-time... Uh, when it comes to their home or their their opening game of the season. So 3-6-1. Uh, and one. So we'll see what happens uh, tonight in uh, Vancouver. So 8 o'clock puck drop our time. Oilers will skate, uh, not for quite a while yet, about, uh, what do we got? It's 11.30 Pacific time is when they're going to skate. So uh, we will know a little bit more about uh, who's going to start in goal. Uh, is it going to be Stuart Skinner? Is it going to be Jack Campbell? I think more people are leaning towards Stuart Skinner and you know Jay Woodcroft said that it was an open competition well if it was an open competition uh, at camp then Campbell would be the guy that was would get the nod but all indications everyone's kind of so and again sometimes you know everyone's talking about analytics and all this sometimes you got to go with your gut and and make the call what you think is right and I don't know if there is a, a right or wrong uh, I think just uh, see what happens when it plays out uh, Campbell had three. 30 save performances in the preseason. Uh, We will know more and kind of get confirmation on Matthias Ekholm, Brett Kulak, Ryan McLeod. All these guys have been trending, I guess, in the upwards direction and uh, looking forward to having kind of a full roster for tonight. Text line. one 401 Stair Farmer checks in with his morning roll call. Uh, uh, good morning, boys. It was awesome having hockey back. Chicago looked like a team that has energy with uh, Bedard this year. They came back to win that game. The real game starts tonight when the Oilers drop the puck. Caleb. Hey, Bedard making his NHL debut and getting his first NHL point on an assist to Ryan Donato. Um, you know what? That was... That was kind of cool to watch the whole Bedard thing. So someone hit a stick in the dressing room. Like you probably saw the video. So he's looking for his stick, and then it was back on the rack. You could see the expression on about six guys' faces that they were playing a little joke on uh, the rookie going out on the ice. Um, and then no helmet for warm-up. So he's going to take the fine. Uh, I'm sure everyone's going to chip in for that, whatever the fine is. Who knows? Um you know one thing Duke and I don't know if you, were you able to watch any of that game I know you would just been wiped from that just a day of like that would match when you were doing 16 18 hour days on the farm but what was uh did you watch the beginning of that game
0: not the beginning I okay. caught the back half okay. of it by the time I got back to to Fort so um the, it's crazy to say this and I and it, it might ruffle some feathers with Edmonton people but like I remember Sidney Crosby's first year I was a young mm-hmm. man at that O-5. time. five right the the current hype and like following of Bedard leading into this season, like I don't think Connor McDavid's rookie season no. quite rivaled this. The old like I remember Crosby's year being like this, but not McDavid's. It's really something to see. And I mean, hey, he showed he like not certainly not afraid to shoot the puck. I no. think he finished eleven shots, shot attempts for them on uh, five Flat on net. net and um he played well. He got bullied around a little bit, but I mean, that's going to happen when you're as little as he is uh, up against these men. So, uh, but I like what you said about the fact that he brings some energy to the Blackhawks lineup because mm-hmm. they look like a feisty team they, one uh, night
2: in. They're going to be a young, obviously a young, young team. And you know, again, so the, the, the helmet thing in the, in the warm up, you know, you got to be grandfathered in to do that. Um, the one thing that stood out for me is the, that he got the hat trick last night. Um, first period intermission interview with ESPN. Second period intermission interview uh, with Sportsnet who had a, a man in the field there. Uh, following the game, another interview with ESPN. So, I like, Connor McDavid never had that. I don't recall anyone having uh the hat trick of interviews after every intermission and the game. You gotta win the game. If if Chicago doesn't win the game, he's not coming out for that interview. Um now the other thing that really struck me, and I I don't like it. I'll be honest. And I, I never liked it. And it happened in the Vegas game. Again, I just kind of caught the first period of the Vegas game. And hey Duke, good job getting that uh Chandler Stevenson goal on the intro. Right off the hop. Uh nice goal. It was a really nice goal. Um, the start of the game against Chicago and Pittsburgh, Kelly Sutherland comes out to center ice and says to Sid Crosby, "Hey Sid, da da da, you know you're another year, you're an older guy, older man, da 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 da, whatever." And, and then looks over to Connor Bedard, who's taking the face off against Crosby, and says, "And welcome to the NHL, Connor." I get where it's coming from. It's a league directive. Um, we saw it again uh, in the sense of. Uh, I believe, Wes McCauley in the Vegas game, which was wild, all the pregame uh, pomp and circumstance. But I didn't like the the fact that the the referees were getting chummy on the opening draw. How about just, you know, drop the puck and say, here, fellas, let's go. Let's have a good one. And that's it. That's all that needs to be said. Uh, text line 183-401-1440. Harry went to the Oilers' home opener. Uh, against just Canucks, Uh, Bud Baker. The entire NHL was mad that McDavid went to the Oilers, and they're not going to give him the same hype because they were all hurt. I don't know about that, whatever. But anyway, game tonight, uh, 8 o'clock. Well, it'll probably be 8.10 by the time they drop the puck, or 8.12. It could even be later, uh, depending on what happens in the game prior. There's uh, all seven Canadian teams in action tonight. So uh, the Oilers... Power play last year was obviously just killer, basically with, uh, well, one for three, 32.4%. Now, Vancouver's penalty kill was 32nd at 71.6%. Yikes. Um, oh, Harry's gone, talking about that was his dad trip, so I kind of, sorry, Harry, but I uh, went to a home opener with a dad trip, I believe. That's what he's trying to say. So... Um, the other thing with the the Bedard, you mentioned he had 11 shot attempts. He had one assist. Uh, the face-offs were tough. He uh, lost pretty well every draw. He won a couple. He won at the beginning of the period there. I believe he went two for 13 face-offs. So they're going to have to figure that out because you know, that's not a lot of puck possession. Played 21 minutes 29 seconds. So we will see what happens moving forward. But you know who else really impressed me on Chicago? And if you want to talk about um, the young guys, is Korczynski on the back end? Man, oh man! Like for his first game with Bedard getting all the headlines, all the hype. I mean, he came out on the ice as well uh, early uh, on in warm up and had the lap around, et cetera. But uh, he looked poised back there. I mean, for Chicago dressing, what three rookie defensemen par- partnering them up with veterans? I mean, they're going to, I mean, under Luke Richardson, these guys are going to play hard, really hard, um, for sure. Um, Framer Johnny sends one in. Yeah, this was a, a funny one here because I'm just looking at that. Uh, he's Framer Johnny's talking about baseball. We'll get one quick little blurb of baseball in. So the American League East went 0-0. And seven with a run differential of minus 24 after Texas swept Baltimore and pounded Baltimore. That's the first series sweep for Baltimore in 91 series. 91! Ever since Adley Rutschman got called up. Um... Harry says Sid struggled on faceoffs early too. Everyone did. Leon Dreisalter struggled. It's it's going to take a lot of time uh, because a lot of the guys that you're going up against have old man strength in the faceoff dot. It's that simple. Um, Shane comes in getting talking about this is just basically we're just going to potpourri to start off the show here, Duke. We're not a, we're going off one tangent from another. Uh, if it is truly an open competition, Soupy would have won the starting job for Game One. Skinner struggled in the playoffs. Campbell should start tonight. That comes from Shane. It's not a lot of argument. I mean, again, the starting the first game of the season, yeah, it's a bit of a feather in your cap. We brought up, again, Duke, what do we bring up? Alec Manoa. We brought that up when we started talking about this. Well, I don't know. We've been talking about it for a month because the captain skates were two weeks, then camp and, you know, exhibition season. So, uh, yes, it's a feather in your cap. What happens if whoever starts tonight, let's say it's Skinner, plays very well, stops maybe 30 shots, Oilers get a win. Don't you have to go back to Skinner for Saturday? Or are you really saying, well, we're going to split these first two games and see where we go from there? I think it's a good problem to have. It's a good problem to have. Last year, the Oilers... Um, Well, actually, go back two years. The Oilers came out of the gates like a house on fire. Nine and one record in 21-22. Last year, pretty good. Seven and three. Um, But then they had a bad little spot, a bad stretch in the following 10 games. Basically, kind of came at the quarter pole at about the half uh, quarter pole at the, at the 500 mark. So we will see what shakes down from there. Uh, you talk about putting a shift in. How about David Amber? Okay, David Amber from uh, Rogers Sportsnet. So let's just go on. Well, we, let's do Eastern time. We might as well do Eastern time. So David Amber would probably zip into the studio yesterday in Toronto about four o'clock ballpark because maybe even a tad earlier. You know, he's got a lot of makeup to to do. First game started uh, at 5.30. Second game started at 8-ish, 8.15 Eastern time. Third game starts at 10 Eastern, 10.15. So he's out of the studio at about, I don't know, 1 or 2 in the morning. <laughs> Maybe a little bit more. Well, he's coming on the show tonight right off the hop at 7.20. David Amber from Rogers Sportsnet on the desk yesterday for a good, I don't know, dozen hours or 11 hours. Um, Danny Machocha, Montreal Alouettes general manager, is our uh, headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter. He will guest with us at 7.40. Of course, the Alouettes take on the Edmonton Elks on Saturday. That's a 2 o'clock start. And again, then the Oilers game is at 8.00. Are you going to be going to both games? We talked about it last week. Back in the day, thousands of fans went to both games. Now, not so many. Uh, mark Spector is in Vancouver. Flew out there yesterday and has been filing ever since. He'll be at the morning skate today. Speck will join us uh, for on the mark for Booster Juice at 8 o'clock. Our uh, Wednesday co-host, David Schlemko. For Cougar, paint and collision will guess with us from 9 to 11. At 9.20, our pigskin report with Nick Kosminer. Uh He's out of Denver, covers uh, the Broncos for the Athletics. So Nick Cosmiter will be with us at uh, 9.20. Uh, what else we got cooking? We'll try to check in with someone with the Vancouver Canucks at 10 o'clock, just again with the, the skate happening at 11.30 PT. We'll see exactly what we can get there. Uh of course, David Schlemko, he comes through with the guess. He got uh, his buddy, Biz Nasty. Now he's got another former teammate, Jordan Martinuk, who played um, in the AJHL years ago. Uh, of course, now with the Carolina Hurricanes, and that will be at 10-20. So pretty cool lineup again. Um <laughs> Buddy Baker comes in and says, ah, man, Alberta tradesmen, get up for work at 5 a.m. Don't get home till 6.30 p.m. daily. That's a real work shift. I'm sure David Amber is real tired, LOL. Not as tired as the Duke, though. Duke with the big shift. Maybe you and Dave can just talk about how tough your day was yesterday. How long
0: days, yeah. uh, My alarm goes off at quarter to five every morning, and I got home at about... uh, quarter to seven what about that Last
2: okay night. so during the low tide uh low down with low tide did you get did you just was there a cot in the back here that you got maybe put your feet up for a bit
0: i did think about that we got some couches out in the it's not even actually in the studios it's in like the main lobby okay. right, open access to the mall so people could have came and drew stuff on my face if they really wanted to but unfortunately i still have my regular post post Kevin carious and Fantasy Frenzy show stuff to do, making some social <laughs> clips and whatnot. So that's what occupied yes. those couple hours of free time in between um, the end of Fantasy Frenzy and the beginning of the Jason Greger show, while always uh, listening into Low Tide and Declan <laughs> Kruger through the door here as well, because they've always got a great show. Dan Patrick on yesterday, so, which was yes. pretty cool. So
2: you got to We got to get the, the Duke. Look at the Duke. <laughs> we got to get that clip on there, because right? I was thinking about it all day yesterday for you. Uh, and I'm gonna, I'll, I'll throw one out at you. Here. When I was on highway construction, this goes to Buddy Baker here, uh, in a two-week pay period before I got into broadcasting, I had 219 hours on a two-week pay period check. 219. Beat that, Bud Baker. Beat that. When we come back, we'll check in with the second hardest working man in show business, David Amber from Rogers Sportsnet. That's coming up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440 right after the break. Oh, there is a, an appropriate song for our next guest. Hard-working man. As uh, we welcome in David Amber from Rogers Sportsnet. Uh, Super Dave, how are you, big guy, after that big long shift you had yesterday?
1: Hey Cavs, doing well. Okay, that song. You picked my favorite song. So I, mean, I appreciate
2: that. Well, that's the Duke of Delburn playing that. And he had a he had to do a double shift yesterday as well. So the two of you we started the show off just talking about how tough of a day that, that you you had. And then all the texters came in talking about the fact that uh, you know, really not I mean, we're they're not swinging hammers kind of thing. How's that sound?
1: <laughs> never we never can complain about working too long or too hard at the end of the day we're we're talking about sports we're talking about hockey i mean we're we're pretty blessed to say the least
2: so. yeah for sure so how was that how was that day for you yesterday Dave? i mean you're excited everyone's excited right it's the first yeah. first day so what was it like
1: yeah Kev. you know i mean it's yeah, we've been doing this you and i've been doing this a long time mm-hmm. i remember way back in calgary yep. uh i both being out there you know many moons ago um You know, it's exciting. I I think yesterday I had an extra heightened sense of excitement. You know, I was pumped. I I really, you know, look, there was three games. Uh, Two of the games, it was great to have hockey back, but one of the games was something special with, you know, Connor Bedard, um, his NHL debut. So it was exciting. And and I was really interested to see how he would not just play, but just handle the moment, right? Mm -hmm. And I think he's doing great. He's just 18 years of age and so mature and the moment wasn't too big for him and you know i think we certainly saw glimpses of of what we're going to see uh this is going to be a superstar in the national hockey league uh the amount of respect the other team was paying him um you know how how the, the fan base was engaged when he was on the ice and it was a road game I mean, we're seeing something special. It's going to be tough tonight going back-to-back and having to go into Boston. The NHL didn't cut uh, Connor Bedard any any treats, that's for sure. They started him out on a (laughs) five-game road trip. Hey, welcome to the NHL, kid, back-to-back, five-game road trip. But it's amazing, and you know, he did interviews after every intermission. He, he doesn't seem to be shy of the media attention. I think he's going to handle himself really well, and it was it was really cool to see his uh, debut.
2: Yeah, well, he picked up the hat trick. I don't recall uh, that ever happening as far as interviews go after the first with uh, ESPN, after the second with you guys on Sportsnet, and then after the third after the game after the win. Do you do you recall that? Yeah. Have, have you do you remember anything like that?
1: Never. In fact, mm-hmm. I, I think this is an initiative by the National Hockey League and. <laughs> This isn't a knock on Connor McDavid at all. Um, but, you know, I think he was sheltered a, a little bit, uh, you know, and it is different being in a Canadian market. But I think the attitude before was, no, 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 we're going to need to shelter these young kids. Uh, you know, I, I was a, a Leafs rinkside reporter, yeah. and it was Austin Matthews' rookie season. And the mandate, you know, Lou Lamarillo was the GM of the, of the Leafs at the time, when Matthews breaks into the league, the mandate was you can't interview any of the rookies. Hmm. So you're talking about like Marner, Matthews, Nielander. Uh, you know, Matthews scores four goals in his first ever game, and we're interviewing Travis Boyd and asking Travis Boyd about Austin <laughs> Matthews. I mean, it was insane. And you're thinking, how are you going to market the game? How are you like? How is this good for anyone? You know, we look like idiots. The fans are upset. It's yeah. silly. And I think they're sort of saying, look, Connor Bedard, it's going to be a different era. We're going to take more of a page out of the NBA and, and market these guys and let the fans, you know, be within an arm's reach of them and really hear them and feel how they're feeling. And I think it's important for the fan base. It's important for the game. And it's probably really good for the player at the end of the day as well. So Connor Bedard's handled it like a complete champ.
2: Yeah, I would say that for sure yesterday after all three of those. And then even seeing him, you know, some someone on the team hit his stick to start and then the, the helmet thing and, and everything like that. So. <laughs> That was a neat neat aspect for sure. David Ambers, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show, Sports 1440 in Edmonton. Uh, You you touched on it off the top, David. We've been around a long time, and we first met, I guess, in Calgary in 97. Mm. You were working TSN. I I got a job at uh, CFCN there. Uh, We used to go to Springbank Links and golf all the time. You know, I mean, it's, it just seems like the, where'd the time go, but where, how do you think you things... took
1: a are- lot of money from me. If <laughs> I recall, you took a lot of money from me on the golf. So I'm still pretty bad. don't oh, bad thing.
2: Yeah, I don't know about that. Kevin Smith used to take the cash, didn't he, I think?
1: Yeah, he's yeah, yeah, Yeah. Inner City Smitty or whatever we called him. He was pretty
2: good, I remember. Inner City. Well, now he works for Alberta Golf, so for sure. (laughs) Um, um, So, what when you go back and you think about those early days when you were working, you know, at TSN and even before that, how much do you think things have changed in that sense? And you sort of touched on it with with how the Leafs were. Um, I think the league is really trying to change and and. And, and promote their stars, like the NBA. Have you seen a lot of that in the last little bit?
1: Well, I think the biggest difference, Kevin, between way back in 97 and now is, you know, we didn't obviously have social media back then. There's an immediacy and an expectation from the fan base when, you know, Connor Bedard or whomever does an amazing play, people want to see it right away. I mean, I have two teenage kids, and they don't necessarily want to sit and watch two and a half hours of hockey, But they want to know, like, oh, wow, this really big thing just happened. And they want to know right away. And they want to feel it happening, like, in real time. And I think that's the biggest difference. And I think leagues have to evolve and change, uh, you know, how they market their players and market the game and and really cater to their fan base. You know, we see baseball has made all these adjustments trying to speed up their game and make it more digestible. And I think when it comes to hockey or basketball or football, it's the big moments, it's the big plays, and it's about that fan feeling, the mm-hmm. experience that they you know, kind of go, wow, that moved me in some, in some fashion. I mean, Connor McDavid has provided so many of those moments over the last five, six years, and I think that's just how they have to understand that the game's evolved and, and how the fan base takes in the game has changed. Mm-hmm. And I think the players, it, it you know, behooves them to, to not sort of make themselves uh, put themselves out there. It's not the easiest, I get that. Um, but I think now there's an expectation uh, for the players to be a bit more engaged, a bit more involved, and I think the teams have to to basically change uh, the attitude. I understand why you would protect the young players, but I think you now have to sort of expect that they're going to be engaged and able to to embrace their celebrity and everything that comes with it. And that does mean, you know, making yourself available. I don't think Connor Bedard is going to get interviewed three times every <laughs> game, but I think. The team recognized, the league recognized yesterday was a very special moment, and they wanted to really put him front and center. And he handled it amazingly.
2: Yeah, for sure. David Amber's our guest on Sports uh, fourteen forty. So tonight uh, we got all seven uh, teams uh, from Canada in action. Uh, I guess the headliner out there would be, uh, you know, Toronto and Montreal. Can you just sort of tee that one up for our our listeners out here?
1: Well, two very, you know, teams in very different situations. Montreal, it's all about development, um, you know, seeing what they have with this young group of players, assessing, you know, who's in it for the long run, who's going to be the nucleus as they build towards something special, who's going to build around with Suzuki and Caulfield, etc., and and how we're going to see the maturation of Slokovsky and some of the other young, you know, uh, cool uh, ghouli and some of the young players in our franchise. And, you know, they might still be a bottom five team at the end of the year. and That's not necessarily a bad thing as they're rebuilding. For Toronto, I wouldn't say it's Stanley Cup or bust, uh, which you probably could say about the Edmonton Oilers, but it certainly is, okay, you've took that one step. You got past the playoff round for the first time with this collective group. What's next? Uh, we can't see regression. We need to see continued uh, moving in the right direction. So uh, there's a lot of expectations here in Toronto, much like there is in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, you know, they've, as Brad Trey Living has said, you know, we've added a bit, he used the word snot. You know, you can say grit or whatever word you want to throw yeah. in there. He's added some guys who don't mind getting into the trenches, rolling up their sleeves, whether it's Ryan Reeves or Tyler Brutuzzi or, or Max Domi. And he feels that was the ingredient that was really lacking with this Maple Leafs team, trying to, try to change their identity and help out those white-collar superstar you know players and Matthews and Marner, et cetera. And we'll see uh, if, if that's exactly what they needed, that kind of change in chemistry, change in identity. So it's going to be really exciting. There's some great young players to keep an eye on. Um, you know, Matthew Nyes, we saw him make his debut during the playoffs last year and unfortunately got knocked out of that uh, Panthers series uh, with a concussion, but he's back, he's healthy. Uh, and I think there's just going to be sort of a feeling out process here. Um, but the expectations are, are very high as they've been for the last, you know, five, six years in Toronto. And in Montreal, it's a very different you know, set of expectations, but there's still some excitement because they have some great young players and they're building a nice foundation there as well.
2: Uh, How has um, Clear Living been received out there? I mean, he's been on the job for several months now, but what's that kind of dynamic been in Toronto since he's taken over?
1: Um, I think everyone, well, look, he's a very personable guy, very affable. He is very kind with the media with his time. I think he's very upfront and sincere, and there's a level of transparency that I think people appreciate. But at the end of the day, um, you know, it's not a personality contest. If the Leafs don't do well, uh, you know, a lot of it's going to fall on the shoulders of Brad Trey Living. Why didn't he do this? Why did he do that? Et cetera. Uh, If the Leafs do well, then, you know, it's going to be, wow, he's, he's done a great job, and the accolades will be there. So. You know, it's still in the honeymoon phase. I'd say the fan base has been well receptive of, of Brad. And I think one thing that he has a reputation of is he's not afraid, kind of like his, his predecessor, you know, Kyle Dubas, who we saw swung that big home run to get Eric Carlson to, to um, Pittsburgh. You know, Brad's not afraid to pull a big deal off. We saw the Matthew Kachuk deal a couple of years ago. Uh, he certainly isn't going to have another Johnny Gaudreau situation arise with, with William Melander. So, Something's going to come to a head there, and uh, you know I think he's he's a pretty bold guy uh, who has a vision and is going to work hard towards what he envisions as a championship caliber team so I'd say at this point he's been very well received and it's now going to be okay well let's let's see how the results uh, you know add up, and we'll go from there. Mm-hmm.
2: David Ambers, our guest on uh, Sports 1440. So when you touched on William Nylander there, uh, Dave, Mm -hmm. um, are they just going to kind of wait this out? What's the the feeling there? (laughs) What's the thought process there?
1: Well, you know, I think they call him Cool Willie. I mean, (laughs) he's a pretty chill guy, and I think he's confident enough in himself that he you know, feels the money will be there, and if it's not going to come from Toronto, then potentially somewhere else. Uh, The Leafs, I think want to feel their way through this. Um, they're not going to be pushed into a corner. You know, there's a lot of questions. If you're going to have one big question on this Leafs team, is it the blue line? Is, there, is, is this a championship-caliber blue line? And the reason I bring this up in, in terms of William Nylander is, you know, that's your chip to play potentially. If mm-hmm. we're 50, 40 games into the season and we're heading towards the trade deadline and and the Leafs, you know, feel they have an abundance of scoring but can't keep the puck out of their net, you know, are you going to even entertain moving a Nylander to, to shore up your blue line? Because that's the one massive chip you could play to really shore up your blue line. I'm not saying that's what they want yeah. to do. I'm just saying I think this is going to play out. I think Brad Lemmy wants to see, you know, what he has and how the group looks in its entirety. You know, it's hard to strike another you know ten million dollar uh, payday to a guy to add to the other big contracts you have when they haven't had great, great, great success come playoff time. So I think they're just taking their time, and, and that's sometimes a great thing to do. I remember Brian Burke, or one of my former colleagues at sports, I would always say, like, you take the time you have. You don't mm-hmm. have to rush to any hasty decision. And I think they feel comfortable and confident, like, hey, let's see what Nylander does on the ice. Let's see how this group collectively works, and, um, you know, we'll figure it out from
2: there. I'm going to so, cut. Yeah, sorry, go yeah. ahead, Dave.
1: No, I was just going to say, I just don't think there's any massive rush, but I don't think we're going to get past the trade deadline without you know either a contract in place or a really good sense of what they want to do with Nelander because they don't want to have a Johnny Goodrow situation where you, you kind of let someone walk and get nothing in return
2: Yeah you know uh, I just wanted to touch on Noah Greger here because obviously Jason Greger's mm. nephew and uh, you know you always have those good feel-good stories when someone you know kind of bets on themselves, signs the PTO and uh, looks mm. like he's going to kind of stick around there so how, how, how do you think he has been received uh, what's he been playing like uh, what, do you, what do you think about that whole situation?
1: I think they love his versatility. I think they love a guy who can bring a bit of feistiness, can, can skate hard, skate well. Uh, he showed himself well during the preseason, you know, uh, taking every opportunity at his disposal. And I think that's something that they're trying to figure out is mm-hmm. what's the chemistry of the third and fourth line going to be. They can't just sit back and say, OK, our big four and our, our top six have to do all the scoring. You know, last year, when you look at Vegas, as good as March Stone and Jack Eichel and so and all those guys were – you know, they might have won the cup on the strength of their blue line, but also their bottom six forwards that just grinded the other teams into the ground. Yeah. You know, ask, ask the Edmonton Oilers what it was like to go up against, you know, constantly looking up and there's uh, Keegan Colasar bearing down on you, William Carrier, et cetera. And I think the Leafs are trying to find that group, that identity, in their bottom six. And they have some guys there who are going to be staple guys there, the David Camps, et cetera. And I think Noah's one of those guys who yeah. they feel can step in and be a, a versatile part. Uh, they can use him on the PK. They can use him in different uh, aspects, whether you're up a goal or down a goal uh, at different times in the game. You feel comfortable with he's a seasoned veteran. And I think the uh, the early returns have been impressive. And the fact that they signed him to a contract on a PTO speaks volumes to him looking mm-hmm. at this opportunity and embracing it and, and taking full advantage.
2: Hey, uh, Super, after that marathon shift yesterday, what's your uh, workflow look like today? Do you get a little time off or is Caroline in or what's going on there?
1: Yeah, Carolyn Cameron has. I mean, this is going to be a big night for yeah. us. All seven Canadian teams. The matchups are awesome. Uh, you know, for a lot of Canadian hockey fans, tonight is the true mm-hmm. start of, yeah. of the season. Yesterday was sort of the dry run, and and you know it was very exciting with Connor Bedard and Sid and seeing Eric Carlson and and all the rest. But at the same time, uh, tonight's the night that people have been waiting for. You have these three Canadian Canadian matchups. Uh, it all gets going at 4:30 uh, yeah. uh, Mountain Time on uh, Sportsnet. And it's going to be, you know, I think we got our first look. There's so many high expectations for many of these Canadian markets and so many question marks in these Canadian markets. And uh, we start to get some answers tonight, which makes it a really cool thing. So I'm going to chill out. I'm going to walk my wow. dog. I'm going to take my daughter to the train station. She's going back to university. She was home for, uh, oh, cool. home for Thanksgiving. And, uh, and then it's I'm going to buckle up and get in front of the couch like everyone
2: else and, and enjoy the game. Well, you already went to the, the gym this morning, didn't you? You're, what are you benching now?
1: <laughs> I have not. Can assure you, I have not. This is the first thing on my calendar today. That I will try to get to the gym a little bit later. And, yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's good. It's good for the head, right? Just to kind of clear the head a little bit and feel uh, get the endorphins going.
2: Well, it's great. I, I don't. This is probably the first time we ever did kind of an interview together after all these years. Is um, it's it's kind of weird yeah. that that hasn't happened.
1: Yeah, I think I might have been on your show once before, Kev, but it's been a long time, and yeah. we've crossed paths. I'm going to be out in Edmonton for the outdoor game. I'm very excited about that. Yeah. That's going to be highlights of the season for it, sure.
2: Yeah, well, uh, we've got uh, lots of guys coming out. We're going to have a bunch of guys in the studio. Maybe we'll we'll talk to you about that too as well.
1: That would be great. I'd love to do that, and I'm sure we'll cross paths. So uh, listen, enjoy. I know there's a lot of – it's funny. One thing I should mention, for those that missed our show last night, I was on the panel with Luke Gavs former Roy Jamal Mayers and myself, and we had to do our Stanley Cup predictions, and it was a hat trick of picks for the Edmonton Oilers. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I think there's a lot of belief in that Oilers team this year, and this could be a really special year uh, for the hockey fans in your market.
2: Well, you know, Luke has to say that because of him having uh, been buddies with Connor, so, you know, that has to go that way.
1: (laughs) I asked him about that, but he, uh, you know, he knows Connor really well, and uh, he actually not just said that Edmonton would win the Cup this year, he said, I think Connor McDavid will smash those numbers he put up last year oh. I said what I said he scored 64 goals how do you work in he score? he said more wow. <laughs> so uh, the expectations are high and rightfully so when you have the best player in the world and arguably the second best player in the world uh, and you know the blue line looks a lot mm-hmm. stronger than it did a year or two years ago so I, I have high expectations in and in a dream scenario for sports you get oh. two Canadian teams in yeah. the Stanley cup final so that's what I'm rooting for
2: for sure hey super Dave thanks for doing this we'll catch up when you come here for the uh, heritage classic
1: Reach out anytime,
2: Kevin. Uh, All the best. Enjoy the games tonight. Thanks for having me. Okay, thanks, buddy. Uh, That's uh, Dave Amber from Rogers Sportsnet. Been in the business a long time. Does a great job on the panel out there. When we come back, Danny Machocha, another old, old uh, uh, friend from back in the Edmonton days here. Uh, The Montreal Alouettes GM guest with us on the Kevin Carey Show right after the break. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for our headliner of the day, brought to you by Mr. Rooter Plumbing. At Mr. Rooter, they only employ the finest organic, grain-fed, free-range plumbers. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrreuter.ca as we welcome in Danny Machocha, GM of the Montreal Alouettes. Morning, Danny, how are you? Good morning, I'm doing how you doing? Oh, just great. You know, I was thinking uh, it's almost 20 years. And where did the time go, like, since the 2005 uh, Great Cup? And, then, and then, like, here we go. It's t- almost 20 years ago. Does it feel like it's just gone by in the blink of an eye for you?
3: It sure has. It sure has. And, uh, yeah, you know, we constantly, constantly, every so often, Jason and I will just huddle up and we'll <laughs> talk about uh, those years that we were together out there. In my case, I was there from 02 to. To, to 2010 and obviously he was there uh, a year or two uh, before mm-hmm. i got there so um yeah it's unbelievable and uh i know the old team had a have a celebration of sorts and they re- and i think they um they had terry uh, yeah, terry vaughn on yeah. the uh, on the wall so yeah. uh it was great to see some of those faces on television and uh so keep in touch with some of the guys especially uh Especially Ricky Ray and um listen, uh yeah. I mean it was a great time. It was a great little ride that we had and uh always look forward to coming down and, and visit and and play games at commonwealth
2: yeah for sure uh, danny matroch is our guest on the kevin carey show sports 1440 our headliner of the day so i mean we'll get to the owls in a second but while we're on this topic danny why, why do you think you had those two you know three teams four teams in that area when you won the great cups and you got to the finals and things like that why was that team those teams so close why were they so close
3: well, those teams had success because it all starts at the top, and I'm I'm big on being well aligned. Uh, I mean, under the leadership of uh, Campbell, in uh, we were, um, you know, we knew what all our, our roles were. They were well defined. Every role um, was important. Uh, we all knew where we stood. Um, he was, you know, the driving force mm-hmm. behind. Uh, all those great teams in 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 my uh, humble opinion, I mean he was able to address not only the product on the field but also what was going on in the community and under his leadership, um, you know we were always um, you know i I would say we were always in our lane doing what we were supposed to do, and if we ever got out of our lane, he knew how to gradually bring us back and make sure that everything we were doing was in the best interest of, uh, back then, the Edmonton Eskimos, mm-hmm. and made sure that the community would um, you know, would appreciate the type of product that we were putting on the field.
2: Montreal Alouettes GM Danny Machocha is our guest on Sports 1440. So you've known uh, Jason Moss for a couple of decades now. How has he grown in his you know we, we saw the fire when he was head coach here and we saw the fire when he was a quarterback. Has, has he kind of um, and you always say as a, as a coach or a player, you want to be able to instead of kicking that guy in the in the rear end you want to be able to pull the reins back so uh, have you seen that kind of maturation process uh, with with Jason uh, in Montreal?
3: Well, uh, this is what I'm going to say, uh, Kevin. Um, first and foremost, when I hired uh, Jason, uh, part of the attraction was that passion that he, he brings day in and day out. Now, it was just a question of, you know, being able to control it. Uh, and I think over the course of, uh, you know, the few years, it's, experiences that he's gone through, whether it was in Edmonton or even the one in, in Saskatchewan, which was quite humbling for him last year. Um I figured in my mind, especially after what he experienced uh, in those two uh, big football markets, that he's battle-tested. And it would be the perfect situation for him to come down here and and lead a, an organization that was in transition of sorts because we were going from one ownership group to another ownership group. Uh, does he still have that fire? Does he still have that passion? Uh, yes, and I never want him to lose it. Uh, having said that, does he control it better now than he did way back when? Uh, I would say so. I would say so. But he is the ultimate uh, leader uh, of men. Uh, I mean, this locker room is is enamored with with Jason, and uh, expectations are high. He expects a lot from our guys, and in return, you know, he'll give every every ounce that he's got to offer. Uh, to the organization and to the football team, mm-hmm. um, but uh, they love playing for him, and it's it's been great to have him around here, and uh, and we're quite fortunate to be where we're at, considering all the challenges that we <laughs> had uh, when the season first started. I mean, we were we were working together, and we couldn't we couldn't sign anybody for about two months, and uh, so we actually had an opportunity to get going on free agency day, three hours prior to the market opening up. And here we are today. So he's done a great job for us, and the future looks bright uh, uh, with Jason at the helm of the, uh, you know, the Montreal Alouettes. Uh,
2: how did you get through all that, Danny, uh, with uh, the ownership, <laughs> with the uh, uh, pierre carl um, and coming aboard, and as you said, I mean, it was a trying couple of months for you. How did you get through it?
3: Well, I always make a joke uh, around here that I'm not going to tell anybody how I got through it (laughs) because you're going to have to buy the book. I'm planning on writing a book about the whole thing, but um, it it was an experience and you learn so much about yourself, Mm -hmm. especially uh, on a personal note and even on a professional note. But this all started to take place at the conclusion of last year. Uh, There was more stories written about this football team off the field than there were uh, on the field, and um, and we knew, but uh, at the conclusion of the season, uh, something had to give here, uh, and um, and that's what uh, and that's where we had that, I would say about two months or two and a half months where as an organization, we were par- paralyzed. I mean, we didn't sell one season ticket, we didn't we didn't sign one player and there was so many questions and I'll go as far as saying the word there was a couple of days there that I started to contemplate whether the CFL would be a 19 league or an 18 league i mean there were just so many questions that were lingering out there but uh, collectively you know we um, we stuck together and we saw it through and we found uh, an owner uh, that's that's uh, that's got obviously ties here in montreal to the province of quebec uh, that uh, that is uh has an attachment uh, to the Montreal Alouettes. i uh, been growing up and watching some of the uh, teams that uh, that he remembers back in the '70s. And um, you know, he's come in here and has given us um, he's given us an opportunity to do what we do best. And that is, uh, you know, on the football side, I just take care of the uh, you know, just trying to get uh, good products on the football field. And and he's he's been extremely supportive. And that's all we've ever asked for.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, Danny Machocha is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show, Sports 1440. The Alouettes are here on Saturday to take on the Elks for a 2 p.m. kickoff. So is peaking the right word for your football team right now, Danny?
3: I would say so. I would say so. We want to finish strong here. Um, I think we've won the last three. We've got two more to go. Uh, we're sitting here at 9-7. We'd like to have a home playoff game. We know we're going to be in the playoffs. We also know that the magic number is one. So whether you know we win one or Hamilton loses one, uh, that will uh, solidify uh, that home playoff game. So uh, we're on a little bit of a uh, positive run here. We want to keep it going um uh, and I know that we're heading out to Edmonton afterwards. We yeah. got a buy and we finish at home versus Hamilton, so we'd like to finish strong and have some form of momentum going into postseason play.
2: What about your defense? It just seems to um I don't know the word is like they just cohesive I mean they seem to be kind of playing for each other. Can you kind of touch on what you've seen from your defense this year
3: oh well, they they've been they've been pretty good, especially as of late, but overall I think uh, since the beginning of the season, they've been pretty good considering all the changes that we've had to endure coming out of training camp in regards to our back end, the number of DBs that we've had to dress here over the last little while. Obviously, the acquisition of, uh, you know, Sean Lemon and and Sankey uh, have have, uh, helped, but they're a unit that, that plays together. I think Coach Thorpe has done an outstanding job of um, you know of, of just scheming up other teams as far as trying to generate enough pressure to get to the quarterback. Right now, we're manufacturing so, so many different ways um, to get to the quarterback, disrupt them, get him off his midline, and get him off that famous spot that he wants to to be on. Uh, and you know, it's whether it's defensive backs coming off the edge, whether it's linebackers coming from the A or D gap, or it's our defensive line that's getting to the quarterback. Everybody has had a say in the success that we've had on the defensive side of the ball. So that's a credit to our, our coaches and our mm-hmm. players that have bought into what we have uh, system-wise, what we've put in place.
2: Just wanted to mention one player in particular um, that you drafted, Lawal Oogwak, Out of here, Um, I did a few stories on him uh, when he was a younger, a younger man playing at uh, Harry Ainley High School, and then obviously went to TCU and uh, Connecticut before that. But I mean, this is a a a young young guy that has a bright future for you. So just touch on uh, what he's meant to coming in as as just a rookie here.
3: No, he's been awesome. He's been awesome. He's been he's been anything but a rookie, and you, you just said it, uh, Kevin. Anytime you come out of a program like TCU, I mean, they went to a national championship game. There's not there's not too much that you know that's going to phase them as far as the CFL is concerning. Having played in that and that kind of program and that kind of environment, mm-hmm. so we knew we had um, you know a special player because there's not too many players. Our Canadian players are going to have opportunities to play uh, south of the border, in particular at a Power 5 school. So we knew we had uh, you know, someone that was going to be able to come in and impact us defensively. And in year one, that's exactly what he's done. He's been uh, nothing short of, um, of good for us, and we're looking forward to uh, what the future has in store with him. In an Elowet uniform here over the next couple of years.
2: Mm-hmm. One more for you, Danny, just on uh, Almondo Sewell. Can he play another 15, 20 years? What do you think?
3: <laughs> <laughs> he is as strong as a ox. I mean, uh, he must miss, I think he's missed one game over the last five years. Uh, and he plays a position where there's a lot of, uh, oh. you feel like you're in a. Uh, Car crash every every other play. This you know, there's just a uh, there's just so much collision and there's just so much beating going on yeah. at that line of scrimmage. Uh, line of scrimmage that uh, he's been able to endure it over the course of time. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he can play another couple of years. Put it that way.
2: Isn't that something? And, I mean, I don't know if his plans are still the same. But years when he was here in Edmonton, he wanted to kind of join the police force, and maybe we'll see him you know wearing a different kind of blue, I guess, uh, down the road for him.
3: Well, if he ever puts on that uniform, I wouldn't mess
2: with (laughs) that. No, for sure. Hey, Danny, thanks for doing this. Uh, We'll see you when you get into town here. uh, And and, uh, enjoy this last couple of uh, weeks here before the playoffs start. And uh, we wish the Alouettes all the best, maybe except for Saturday. How's that sound?
3: (laughs) All right. I appreciate the kind words. Have a great day.
2: Okay. Thank you very much. That's our headliner of the day, Danny Machocha. brought to you by Mr. Rooter. There's a reason they call him Mr. For all your plumbing needs, you can go to mrreuter.ca. Uh When we come back at the top of the hour, we will check in with Mark Spector for Booster Juice on the marquees in Vancouver. Before that, a Sports 1440 update uh, brought to you by First Round. Watch NFL football at First Round, Monday, Thursdays, and Sundays, and you could win a trip to watch your favorite team next year. Here is- is the Duke.